Hello there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question where today we're going to look at King David. He is a very young boy or teenager would be my guess in his early teens and uh, he's still called a boy or youth in this section of scripture depending on your version. His brothers are out doing battle with the Philistines and he's been left behind to, to help his father and take care of the flocks. He has another duty uh, that day and that will be laid upon him one that's going to take him to the war camp where his brothers are are held up there he's going to take them some supplies of uh, uh, food and different things that they probably would need how many of us I, I wonder I think all of us if we're honest with ourselves have done battles with a giant you know I am not talking about a giant that's twice your height and three times your weight I'm talking about the sins in your life and those people, those bullies that mock God and His Word today around you. They can be, and they are giants in our life that we all have to do battle with. And it's up to each one of us to defeat them. They challenge us just like Goliath did the Israelites as we read our text here. Uh, chapter excuse me yeah chapter 17 starting in verse 4 then when the champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath whose height was six cubics in a span he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was clothed with scale armor which weighed five thousand shekels of bronze he also had a bronze on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed six hundred shekels of iron. His shield-bearer, or carrier, also walked before him, and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw us up in array? Am I not a Philistine and the, your servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will become our servants and serve us. Again the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Goliath, as we probably already know, or most of us do, as we just read anyhow, he probably is the best warrior the Philistines have. He's very confident in himself, and this man is, is huge. If you have a study Bible, you probably have some footnotes that would help you with this, the weights and different things here. Uh, mine says he's about nine feet tall. He's very strong to be able to hold up all this battle armor. His armor weighs close to 150 pounds. And from the army of Israel, from their point of view, this is a giant of a man standing in front of them, and he's taunting you, and he's yelling all kinds of awful things about you, and to top it off, he's mocking your God. So Goliath, he continues to make these gestures, and Saul and his army, they must be thinking this guy has a lot of sand or grit to, 
to stand out in front of us and say these things because we could see that he's he's a big man you know i i recall as a really young boy playing on the playground and there was the biggest boy on the playground he had basically rule of it there's always a pecking order it seemed like and everybody was afraid of him and if i recall his name was mike it, oh he'd have challengers every once in a while but they'd all go down like flies so everybody was afraid of him until one day I I got tired of it and I just laid him out because I wanted to go on the slipper slide and I didn't have his permission and I thought I didn't need it so I proved I guess that to him that I really didn't need it again you know here's Saul I mean he knows this man is the best they have to offer Saul's not blind and Saul's not stupid he can see again this giant of a man standing in front of him what about in our personal lives are are we looking at sin as a giant of a man standing there sin that is so big in our life that maybe we took a a few times around the block and got lost trying to hide from it by losing these battles we become afraid of it and we let it mock us and defile us what happens to to Saul when he uh, defiles here and listens and he, he's ignoring it here's verse 11 when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine they were dismayed and greatly afraid I you know these are some seasoned warriors and they're afraid of one man so he must have been pretty intimidating it would be my guess if I was standing there but do we run around with a sense of no direction and afraid and letting sin make us afraid you know fear can keep us out of trouble however in this case fear is really not a good thing it's keeping Saul and his army from doing battle just like us when we become afraid to take on the sins in our life we run from it and we allow it to control us here in verse 22 David has now arrived at the camp as we pick back up then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking to him, behold, the, the champion, the, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke to these same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him, and they were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it would be that the king would enrich the man who kills him with great riches and would give him his daughter and make him the father of his house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him and saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes the reproach away from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? You know, David really can't believe his ears that God's people or God's army are running from a, one man that seems to be mocking them and making fun of them. 
David must be thinking, who is this man that he thinks he can get by with that? And why hasn't anybody done anything about it? He has no right to do that. And David is not showing any fear here at all when, it, when he hears Goliath. On the other hand, the entire army seems to be running uh, away and to go hide at home or someplace. But what about us today? You know, we have people all around us who are mocking God in His church. They don't believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe that the Bible is complete. They don't believe that the Bible is really inspired from the Holy Spirit. They reject the salvation plan that Christ has laid out. They laugh that Jesus even died and rose from the dead. They cannot believe that it even truly happened. They'll call us things like Bible thumpers, uh, judgmental, racist, or bigots. In other parts of the world, they probably say worse things. But they're going to say those things one way or another. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to allow them to scare us like Goliath was doing or intimidate us by telling us uh, we use hate speech when we call out sin and tell people, thus saith the Lord. They try to silence us by making threats of lawsuits and, and other actions against you, maybe trying to get you to lose your job or separate you from your family. They'll even come across that they actually know more about the scriptures than anybody else and how you've gotten it wrong. In the giants in our lives, do we, do we act like a fleeing army or do we act like a soldier of Christ and, and stand on the rock of our salvation? There's an old song. We used to sing it a lot years ago. Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. When we sing it, do we really mean it? Do we even understand what we're singing? Now some might be really thinking about this moment that David has a few screws loose. After all, David is just a boy. Everyone else here is battle-hardened. They've been through several battles, and David has a lot of nerve to ask the question, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? He, he is told again that the king would give his daughter in marriage, so apparently Saul has somewhere along the way has said that. What about us? What will be done for us if we overcome the giants in our lives? Our king, his name is Jesus, and he's answered this question for us in the book of Revelation. Our king has always been a king. He says so in front of Pilate, and he says so even today. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. In the same book, the Apostle John would write in chapter 21, starting in verses 7 and 8, He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Before the cowardly, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the immoral person, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
Do you really think it's important to overcome the giants in our lives? I do. I didn't say it was easy, but it, I don't have to do it alone. To be able to sit down on the throne of Jesus and be called his son, that says here in verse 8 again, remember, for the cowardly along with all other evil people, they will be in the lake of fire. Listeners, we, we have to be brave for God. You know, there was an old saying years ago, I don't know if it's still around, I haven't heard it in a long time, they can kill me but they can't eat me. But, you know, we, we need to be able to stand up against evil and sin. God really does demand it. And I wonder in the context here, is cowardly and unbelieving close to the same? I mean, if you look at the armies of Israel that we've been reading about today, they, they clearly appear to look like cowards. And they're afraid of one man. I know some people might be saying, well, or thinking, we have to keep our jobs and feed our families. But you're the preacher and you're, you're kind of immune from all of those things. You know, sometimes preachers get afraid to actually preach the truth and they're afraid of doing the battle because they, they don't want to, to lose anybody in the congregation. They don't, they don't want the money collection to go down. They don't want to make the leaders of the congregation upset over something that they might preach about. So they, they stay in their little comfort zones and they worry about more self-preservation than they do preaching the truth of the gospel. The army of Israel, I mean, in being cowards, they really didn't believe God would give them the victory. So when we are all faced with a giant in our life that is larger than life, and I become afraid of it, and I do not fight it off, I let it defeat me. Am I a coward and unbelieving? Perhaps. In submitting to defeat, I am I'm facing the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, the second death, of course, of my soul. I know that's not a popular thing to be talking about hell, of eternal punishment in our society. Everybody again thinks all dogs go to heaven, and the scripture really doesn't say that. We sure don't preach all of the Revelation 21 verse 8 that we just read a few minutes ago about idolatry and sorcerers and immoral people. You know, and on and on here, we, we just kind of skate around it. It says that God loves you, and we have a big smile, and have these wonderful little sermons that are always happy and go lucky. And I like giving those, because they make me feel good, and I know nobody's going to criticize me. But when I start talking about sin in people's life, repentance and, and turning to God, uh, that starts to step on toes and causes hard feelings with somebody. It's very important that we understand that uh, we don't really have to do this battle alone. If we're trying to do it alone, we will lose. You and I do not have the power to overcome Satan, that giant in our lives or his demons in our life alone. We can't. And here's why. We're going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and pick up the rest of the story to help answer uh, 
my statement there or question here that some might have. I went out from him and attacked him and rescued it, it from his mouth, talking about a lamb that uh, took off. And he rose up against me, and I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. He killed a lion. Verse 36, Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. And since he has taunted the armies of the living God, and David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of a bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And may the Lord be with you. I don't know anybody personally that's gone on and taken on a lion or a bear barehanded and made it. Uh, or he didn't make it either, as far as that goes. I personally wouldn't want to go up against those. So you see, David here, he's never had any thoughts whatsoever going against this giant alone, though. Go with the Lord, may be with you. I mean, that's what Saul says. And I think David really believes in God and knows that God is the source of his power and his protection and God is is stronger than David and God knows that he doesn't stand a chance without his help I mean listen to David here verse 45 then David said to the Philistine you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. David would try Saul's armor on, but it's too large. It doesn't fit David. He's still, like I said, he's probably in his early teens, and Saul would be a full-grown man. But David doesn't seem to be too concerned about it, as we see here in verse 40. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag which he had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So just with a stick here and five smooth stones, David heads off to face the mountain of a man who's made fun of God and mocked the army and everybody else that day. And Goliath was, was taunted David as he approached. But you know what? David stands his ground, and he doesn't run, as we read here in verse 48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came out and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. Do we run quickly from our giant? David did not need five stones to defeat this man. He only really needed one. One well-placed stone took care of the whole problem. Just like in our lives, one well-placed stone can take care of the giants in our lives. And that stone has to be Christ. If we have Jesus as the rock of our salvation, the rock of our life, we don't need a bag full of other stones. When we take out the giant in our life, the other sins in our life will flee. Just like the, 
the Philistine army did after Goliath was killed by a boy in his slingshot. David had the faith that God would protect him and he would be the winner in the end. Turn with me over to, quickly to Matthew chapter 17 and we'll close. Matthew chapter 17 verses 18 through 20. And Jesus rebuked the demon and said, Come out of the boy. And he was healed from that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, Because you have so little faith. But I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. In this context, I don't really believe Jesus is talking about a Pikes Peak or some other mountain. He's talking about the spiritual giants or those mountains in, in all of our lives. We need to have the faith that the giants in our lives can be removed. Do you think David had that faith and trust? I do. Absolutely think he did. If you think otherwise, go home and, and reread 1 Samuel chapter 17. Because David shows great faith. The question is, do we, who claim to be followers of Christ? And so today, if you're struggling with giants in your life called sin, I, you need to realize that you really can't defeat sin alone, that you need help from God to conquer them. I hope that you can find somebody to, that you can trust, a congregation, a church somewhere that uh, is teaching the whole truth and the entire Bible, not just being selective on pieces and parts. I've seen that so much over the years. We need to, to know everything about the Bible that we can possibly take in. I think it's just great uh, for a person to do that. It makes you more knowledgeable. Uh, there's an old saying again, knowledge is power. And we should have the knowledge and understanding that Christ does love us. He died for our sins. The grave is empty. The Bible is the inspired Word of God and that we all can have salvation through Christ if we would turn to Him. Well, I hope that you've been blessed by the podcast and you'll continue to listen. If you want to find out more information about us and, and the other things that we are trying to do, go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. It's all one, one word, biblical question. And there you will find some things about us, our statement of faith, and, and other things that we are trying to always update the webpage. We have people listening from all over the world, and I know in some countries that are listening, it's not popular uh, to be a Christian, and I, I pray for you in the persecuted church every day, and I hope that you're being encouraged and that uh, you will always trust in Christ. Until next time, may God bless you and, and watch over you, and may he have the glory. God bless.